BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You're you're not you're not our scheduled guest. <laughs> Maybe I'm on a little bit of British time still, but <laughs> are you still in bed? The fact, no, absolutely not. I'm up. Uh, am I still in bed? If I were in bed, would I have this? Yes, because your wife is a, a lovely person who would make you breakfast in bed. Yeah, but she would wreck her bicycle on the way to making it. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I got our actual <laughs> guest here, not you, not Sean Ross Sapp. But who is your actual guest? Someone uh, you the, interviewed about four or five months ago. Yeah. So, who is that? That doesn't narrow it down at all. <laughs> the, the MLW World Heavyweight Champion, yeah, Alex Hammerstone. You yeah. bet. Listen, I I really respect this guy because one. When he was just a youngin, I said, don't listen to that MJF guy. Just listen to me about fitness, nutrition, in-ring work, wearing skinny pants, and you'll go straight to the top. And he did it. And look at the guy. Got nothing but love for Alex Hammerstone. And, and MJF didn't listen to me. And look what happened to him. I feel like he's doing okay. He's, he's all right. But Alex Hammerstone's a great guy, legitimately. Very excited for you to talk to him. So I'm going to get the hell off of here. Bye, Sean. Uh, in the weeds, it's July 5th, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the show. What a already, show this has already become. It's already the number one show. So, uh, Jeremy Lambert, you did it once. You may as well introduce our, our first guest again. Looking forward to this one. Oh, from Major League Wrestling, he is the MLW World Heavyweight Champion. He will be in action on July 8th at Never MLW Never Say Never, which airs on Fight TV, against Alex Kane. He is Alex Hammerstone. Hammerstone, how you doing, man? Good morning, guys. What's going on? How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm a wee bit tired. Uh, I'm in a different time zone, so it's uh, 7 a.m., but, you know. Oh, hey, no. Oh, well, thank you for joining us this early. Oh, had I known it was going to be that early for you, I would have been like, no, you can, we can do much later. It's okay. I don't want to wake you up at 7 a.m. for this silly show. That's all good, guys. How you doing? Good. Well, I got to ask you, first off the bat, did you take Sean Ross Sapp's advice? And is that why you are at where you're at now in MLW yeah, was, in the world of back, wrestling? I was backstage. I heard everything he said. And uh, the you know, the workout advice, the, you know, ignoring MJF, none of that's true. He did tell me I should wear skinny jeans. That's that, that came from him. So that's the only thing I've been doing. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds about right that that would uh, be his actual advice to just, just wear skinny that, jeans. That was his golden nugget. <laughs> um, how are you feeling before MLW Never Say Never and taking on Alex Kane? You have been the long reigning. MLW World Heavyweight Champion, and now a live show, which is you know MLW. The I guess we'll say the the knock, the criticism, the the complaint from fans is like we want the live shows, we want the live shows. Here we are, never say never. You're headlining against Alex Kane. How are you feeling about headlining this live show? Um, you know, I guess you could say you know the pressure's on, but at the same time, that's uh, this is kind of the spot I've carved out for myself. I've uh, been in a lot of high-pressure situations with the company, and it's something uh, something I'm used to at this point. Um, as far as the actual match itself, I've been training really hard. I've been working really hard the last couple of weeks, really changing up my training, doing a lot of different stuff, and just trying to come in physically, mentally, you know, as prepared as you can for, for a big title match like this. So, funny enough, uh, I discovered you not through MLW, but through your guitar playing, because uh, I am also a musician. I play bass guitar. Uh, who are your like big musical influences, and do they actually play a role in maybe your character in wrestling? Um, I would definitely say I don't think the musical influences play any kind of role as far as like, you know, maybe you saw someone like Adam Rose, like literally taking like musician characteristics and trying to morph them into wrestling character. I never did anything like that. Um, but in the same respect, um, I always say being a musician was a huge prerequisite for becoming a professional wrestler because it teaches you a lot about, you know, performing and loving to interact with the people and, you know, um, acknowledging the crowd and all those things. And, uh you know, just <laughs> just kind of being uh, being the ham who loves like soaking up, you know, uh, attention. It's like after I was a musician, I needed something to kind of fill that void where I was like, I want to be in front of people performing and being the center of attention. And you know, not only that, it's like the whole idea of like, you know, the whole idea of you know, don't just hit a bunch of moves in high spots because. 
you know, you're not just trying to get these crazy pops. You got to create something that has meaning and create something that has story and create something that has, you know, a little bit more substance to it. I was a drummer in a band, you know, I quickly realized it wasn't just about playing the coolest fills. Like I wanted to do that because I liked showing off as a drummer. It's like, you got to play for the song as a wrestler. You end up, you got to wrestle for the match. It's, you know, it's a very similar um, headspace to put yourself in. So I feel like I got a lot of those lessons long before I ever wrestled. I also love the fact that you bring up, you know, being a drummer and, and making sense with, you know, connecting it to wrestling and making sense of the match uh, and not playing, overplaying the fills. Meanwhile, you're playing guitar, you're you're playing rock and roll style guitar, like solo, blistering solos, and you want to be the star of the show and you want to be the, the guy with all the attention. Uh, I can see very clearly that like guitar fits you better in this case. Uh, and I, I would actually, I'll push back. I actually think that there is a little bit of like, of give and take there with with wanting to show off as a musician and wanting to be the guy in front as a wrestler like you're a champion you're the you're the dude right that that kind of plays in in my opinion oh yeah i mean of course well like you said the, the, the word is balanced there. you know it's it's because it's, you know there's plenty of people who uh take the whole like oh you don't want to you know show off too much they take that too much too hard in wrestling and then it's like Okay, yeah, you're a solid hand, but nobody really cares about you. You gotta, you gotta give them enough. You gotta give them enough pizzazz, you know, to stand out. And it's the same, same thing as a musician. You wanna, you gotta give them enough. You gotta, you gotta throw some, uh, throw some fun out there, you know. What's been your your favorite title defense as MLW World Heavyweight Champion? Because you've been the champion since 2021, and you faced a lot of different opponents across multiple companies as well. To you, what's the one where if I'm like, what's the Al- what's the defining Alex Hammerstone title defense in MLW? What's your pick? Um, that's hard to say. Um, I really, really enjoyed the match I had with Davy Richards. Um, that was a really, really just great wrestling match. There wasn't um, some crazy overarching story or there was some six-month build to the match or anything like that, um, which sometimes can hurt a match. But in this situation, I think it helped because the story was, like, the story was the lack of a story. The story was just like, hey, these are two guys that are at the top of their game right now and they're going to, go out there and give each other hell and we did and it was really great it was really enjoyable um you know really a feather in my cap to keep up with a guy who was you know that talented in the ring um and then if i had to pick another one it would be the recent match i had in you know february against jacob fatu defending the championship obviously i won the championship from jacob um i think jacob's one of you know the best wrestlers ever. <laughs> like he's just, he's uh, one of a kind. And uh, it took a long time for us to get that rematch. Um, so to have it, uh, I took that match very seriously. Like um, dropping a bunch of weight because I wanted to like come in with great conditioning. And it, I was, I was just so proud of it. It was just everything I thought it would be. And especially after, the first time we wrestled after I, I had a very serious ankle injury halfway through the match and it really affected my performance. So they had to come back and kind of get a clean slate and do it all over again and get to, uh, get to kind of live it out the way I envisioned it the first time. That was, uh, that was a really great match. I really enjoyed that. 
show on July the 8th is uh, is happening at the 2300 Arena in Philly. I don't know if you know this, but you're undefeated in that venue. How how does that feel? And like, what's I don't know if you know this, but I'm undefeated in a lot of venues. <laughs> you are. Yes, you are. But we went all the way back to 2019, and it's a long time to go. I mean. This is this is a big venue. Twenty three hundred arena has a certain amount of uh, prestige in certain wrestling circles. Uh, how does it feel? You're walking back into this venue as a champion, and uh, you've got a, a big challenge ahead of you and Alex Kane. Um, yeah, you know, twenty three hundred is a, a unique arena. They have a unique kind of energy to the fan base there. Um, <laughs> I still remember I, I did you there with MLW. Um, and I debuted to a little bit of, you know, a, a who are you type of vibe. Um, and, uh, you know, I had to earn my, earn my uh, place with the fans there. Um, but yeah, man, um, I can't say it really changes much. Like I can't really say it's like, it, it, it's a little bit of an X factor. Cause like I said, the fans are, you know, a bit unique there. They kind of, uh, swing their own way, you know, it's like when I wrestled fought two a couple months ago, like they were ready to see a new champ. Um and they were kind of more in his corner than they were mine. Um I don't know if we're gonna see a repeat of that this weekend. Um, you know, wrestling fans we're living in the A D D era. You know, it's like people want a quick Instagram reel or a TikTok or it's like it's hard to convince someone to sit down and pay attention to something. And it's the exact same way in wrestling. It's like, no matter how much they love someone and they want them to be the champion, if you had it for more than three shows, they're excited about the next guy winning it. And um, I don't know if we're going to see that, uh, that, that vibe kind of take over the arena this weekend. It's like, um, you know, very much a possibility that they're so excited at the prospect of a new champ that they, uh, the, the crowd shifts into his favor. And uh, that'll be an X factor, but it's, it's nothing that I can't overcome. It's something I haven't dealt with in the past. When it comes to long title reigns, you've had you've had a lot of long title reigns in across a lot of companies, and you just mentioned the the ADD era where people want what's next. We're seeing in WWE, we have this long bloodline storyline, this long title reign with, with Roman Reigns. What do you think makes a long title reign good? To where when you keep winning the title, the fans maybe they're like, oh, we want what's next, but it's like, okay, we're also enjoying this and it's okay that this is a longer thing because it establishes some extra credibility. So my question again, what do you think like makes an actual long title ring good to where the fans don't actually get burnt out on it? Um, well, to a certain extent, fans are always going to get burned out because like I said, there's some people who it's like, you know, no matter you know, you could feed someone filet mignon every night of the week, but they're eventually going to say, I want a cheeseburger. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter how good it is. Eventually people just crave something different for the sake of craving something different. And sometimes once they get it, they're, they realize, Oh crap, I fucked up. I should should have kept my mouth shut. You know, um, we see that sometimes people like, almost like root for a certain underdog in wrestling. And then once they win, they're like, oh, we kind of just were having fun cheering for them, but we didn't expect this to happen, and now we don't really know what we want. Um, but that being said, um, I think it comes down to, like, you know, um, 
making sure there's, you know, someone there interesting to oppose them, you know, because it's like, no matter how good or talented someone is at the top, it's like, if they don't have someone meaningful to, um, to build some stories with, it becomes kind of difficult. Um, so it's like, if you can, you know, create something that people are invested in, people want to keep seeing that champion fight, you know, that, that, that really helps. Um, and then just finding different ways to keep it fresh, you know, whether it's, you know, um, different types of matches and, and things of that nature, you know, shifts in the character, but it, it is an uphill battle these days. Cause like I said, I, I think, um, you know, back in the day, people would only see like the wrestling when they saw the wrestling. It's like, if you, even if even the most available stuff, Monday night raw was once a week. And then it was like, you didn't see wrestling anymore, but now it's like you watch your wrestling on the night it happens, and then you're seeing the re, you know, the review the next day, and then the highlights on Twitter the day after that, and then the recap uh, the next day on YouTube where someone's breaking down the show, and then it's like by the time you've, you're back to the next week, let's like you've been watching that show over and over and over and over, so it's like you're already sick of what happened on that show, you know, so. Um, it, it, it is a different era, but like I said, there's little things like that that came to keep it a, a little bit more interesting. You kept it interesting in 2019. There was a talent exchange between pro wrestling Noah and MLW that uh, brought you over to Japan for the N1 victory. Talk to me about the experience. That's It's got to be a bit of a different uh, challenge than, say, you know, weekly wrestling TV and all that. Yeah, um, you know, that's that's a different experience for multiple reasons. It's like not only is it a different style – um, almost, you know, dare I say a different caliber you're held to over there. Um, but also just the fact that you're on tour, like sometimes wrestling night after night after night in a different city, it's like you, you know, get on a bus, drive to a city, set up, warm up, wrestle, eat some food, get back on the bus, drive to the next city, find a hotel, sleep a couple hours, repeat, like that lifestyle is, is a shock, you know, and it's, uh, kind of puts you in like this warrior mode where it's like that wrestling is all you're doing. Um, so that's why I really enjoyed it. I, you know, it was a time in my life um, that I, I kind of uh, had, had something like that that like kind of forced me into that like hermit warrior style, you know, and it was nice to do that for a little while. Uh, and, and the caliber of talent over there, it's just like everybody is just so good. They take it all so seriously. And I love that, you know, um, and it really kind of like changed like my style permanently to a small degree. And like even my outlook on wrestling a little bit, um, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, uh, ready to, ready to give it another go over there, get back over there at some point. Um, obviously it's a bit of a commitment because the tours over there usually are lasting quite a bit of time. And I got a lot of stuff here at home that I'm going to, you know, take care of, but, uh, I'm ready to give it another go over there, you know? Gonna ask about when when wrestlers go to Japan. Ribera is obviously the spot to go. Did you go to Ribera, and what is your review of the steak? Uh, I went a couple times. Um, I've been I've I've had three trips to Japan now. I think I went every single time. And the thing with Ribera is it's like it's not really good. <laughs> like it's, see, it's like, I told you, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's really like cheap poorly cooked steak, you know? It's like, there's a lot of places in Japan where you go where it's, like, phenomenal food. Like, the 
Um, but Ribera is like Ribera is not really that. It's like a cheap little shop, you know. It's um, uh, kind of <laughs> like thin cut, low quality, not like super lean, not super great steak. Like just cooked to shit with some rice and corn, you know. But um, it's like the charm of the place, you know. And um, it, it's like for me, it's like I, it's food I love, but it's like. If you took someone who was like a food connoisseur there, they'd be like, what is this crap? Um, but yeah, man, I, I had a good time. I, I'm a little bit salty because, you know, I went there multiple times. Um, I even went there, like, and had dinner. It was me, uh, Kiyomiya, who was the NOAA heavyweight champion at the time, and the president of NOAA. And we both had our championships, and I still didn't get a jacket. I think one time I went there, and they said they didn't have any that were big enough for me. But uh, <laughs> people were like, oh, well, you didn't get a jacket because you're not a big star. I was like, listen, I was there as the MLW champion with the NOAA champion having dinner with the president of NOAA. I'm pretty sure the reason I didn't get a jacket is because they didn't have any. You freaking <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, listen – I was watching Monday Night Raw this past week, and there was a dude in the front row behind the announcers had a Rivera jacket. So I don't want to hear no, not a big enough star to get a jacket. Well, listen, I'm pretty sure these days uh, wrestlers sell them to the guys for a pretty big premium on eBay. So. <laughs> okay, well, since Rivera does not have, and this is the running thing, by the way, is every wrestler I've talked to who's been to Japan says, yeah, Rivera, their steak actually sucks. Like, it's the lore, the wrestling lore that, like, you go there, but the actual food is not good. So where is a good steak place in Japan? Uh, man, I, I can't say I know um, the exact name of restaurants like that I remember going to, but there's a type of food, I believe it's pronounced yakuniku. Um, it's just basically they have like a fire pit at your table and you're cooking all the stuff that they bring. And anytime I got to do that, like anytime uh, a sponsor, uh, like a fan was like, hey, do you want to go to dinner and get yakuniku? I was like, yes, yes, always <laughs> yes. Because uh, that, that is just such a, so good, such a good experience. And they, they'll bring different cuts of meat. So it's like you really like something, you're like, more of that, more of that. And uh, they'll have like shaved ribeye, and it's just so good. Uh, I did a, eat a couple weird things at that sometimes. Sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, what's this?" And I'm like, "Horse tongue." And I'm like, uh, "Okay," <laughs> um, but that was always really good. I want to give you. Uh, I want to do a, a quick lightning round. Five firsts. Okay, you, so your first live wrestling show, if you remember where these things happened or what they did. Uh, I think it was Royal Rumble. In Arizona. What about your first gig as a musician? Uh, this place called the Four White Walls in Arizona, and it was called the Four White Walls because it was just a fucking white box, basically. <laughs> uh, first, first guitar you've ever owned, or first amp that you ever owned that you really loved? Uh, Epiphone Explorer. I still have it. It's still probably my favorite guitar. First concert you attended? Well, that's hard. Um, maybe it was The Strokes uh, in like 2007. Maybe. That was a good year. Uh, I'm not sure if that was quite the first one, but that's the first one I, I really remember. Listen, my first my first one was Weird Al Yankovic, so I, I get it. Okay. And uh, <laughs> here's, 
Here's the last one. Here's the, this is the most important. This isn't the first, but I want to hear about your, your band, Whole Girlfriend, because I see uh, I saw a little bit of promo for it, so I'm interested. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, first of all, uh, I don't think the guys are going to watch this, so I could, I could shit out all I want. I didn't name it. <laughs> um, I was kind of like vehemently opposed to the name, but I, I hate feeling like I'm trying to be like the band dictator, so I just like I just like took a step back because I could see like these two guys were like, oh, this name is good. And I was just like, no, it's not. <laughs> but I was just like, I don't want to be the abrasive, uh, you know, element here. So I just sat back and, and didn't say anything. Um, but, that, you know, all jokes aside, um, I've been writing music for, you know, I, I mean, I got back into it for a while now. Um, and I've been doing a lot. Like I wrote, wrote and recorded a whole album all by myself, you know, sometime last year. Um, but I've been like wanting to obviously have a band together and linked up with a singer who I was, you know, working out with and kind of like, you know, um, he was like singing a lot of the songs I had written by myself. Um, but these were like songs I wrote years ago and was just kind of like re, you know, getting them all together but now a lot of stuff we're doing as a group uh, is newer stuff i've been like uh writing the last couple months so it's like a newer you know i feel a lot more excited about it and then you know now i got these guys who are kind of chipping in their own parts and uh it's been really fun and uh we're definitely show ready we're just trying to find the right time and place to find the show we got a five song ep already recorded um probably going to release it within the next couple of weeks. Uh, so it's exciting, you know. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm not like in my head, I'm like, oh, we're going to get famous as a band. I'm not like that kid I was when I was, you know, 16 who, you know, was all in and like, we got to do this, you know, but it's definitely a good thing to have aside from wrestling where I can put some creative output and, uh, you know, enjoy myself without having to put my body through hell. <laughs> The show this weekend is MLW Never Say Never. It is on July 8th. Alex Hammerstone will be in action defending the MLW World Heavyweight title against Alex Kane. Hammer, let everyone know what they can expect when you face Alex Kane, and then let everybody know where they can find you at. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same, same thing you expect from any uh, Hammerstone title match. It's going to be the match of the night. Um, that being said, uh, you know, Alex Kane is uh, – you know, proved himself. He hung in Battle Riot for freaking, what, an hour? So I can't say that our match is going to be an hour, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely going to be a main event quality match we're going to deliver. Um, we're on a stacked show with tons of talented guys. Um, you know, tons of variety on the show. Title matches, uh, women's matches, midget matches with Micro Man. I don't know if you're supposed to say midget or dwarf or little person. I don't know. Micro people. Um but yeah, we got we got quite the variety show going down this Saturday, July eighth. Um, you know, if you're not there in Philly, watch the live show on Fight TV. It's gonna be it's 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 gonna deliver. You know, I'm I'm excited for not only my match but a lot of other matches in the card. Where can they find you at, Alex? Uh, I'm at Alex Hammerstone on Instagram and Twitter. Alexander Hammerstone on Facebook and. Um, 
I, I think that's it. I don't have an OnlyFans yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. What is the yeah, yet? What is the OnlyFans content if Alex Hammerstone opened an OnlyFans? I'd just do like pictures of like my dog's paws with like his toes <laughs> and it would be like, You want some foot pics, big boy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be that would sell. People love dogs. People love that's dogs. True, that would but it might sell for the wrong reasons, which gets creepy. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's no. true. That's true. <laughs> Alex, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Again, folks, it is MLW Never Say Never, July 8th. Watch it on Fight. Watch Alex Hammerstone defend the MLW World Heavyweight Championship against Alex Kane. Hammer, thank you again, man. Get some rest. It's, it's early over there. Please get some rest. Thank you for joining us thank this early. Again. All right, you guys take care. Take you care. too. Thanks, Alex. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc there we go alex hammerson mlw world heavyweight champion joel pearl my god first thing in the morning for this man kudos to him i i would have been a grumpy asshole at that hour okay just saying at that hour i mean i was i was up at 6 30 this morning so. you're you're a grumpy asshole at 10 a.m so yeah i can't imagine you at 7 a.m i'm actually okay I'm, I'm actually more like a zombie at 7 a.m it's like my, my wife's just like hey can you do this this and this and i'm like Mwah. and i do it i don't do it well but i do it so <laughs> that's just how it goes uh yeah well okay so once again just like uh on monday when court bauer was with us we kind of hopped right into it and of course today sean decided to show up and reprise his role as the Eggman. cuckoo could you but while we're here uh y'all can leave a thumbs up on the video that'd be great and you can subscribe to us here at fightful overbook because we are marching forward and getting some good numbers and we appreciate that for us and from you to joining us here that's great english first language real nice uh subscribe to us here is what i said and of course our super chats are open any amount of questions statement read on the air we appreciate the support as we always do tons of content here we drop it daily here on fightful overbooked so there you go jeremy lambert been a couple days and really the big news of the last couple of days was like three hours ago when eddie kingston won the new japan strong open weight championship from kenta at the show in uh cork and hall right that's that's the big news i thought my oreo eating contest was the big news i thought that was what we were leading with because that is you know ginormous news and but sure sure eddie kingston yeah he no we'll go back hold on hold on Fine. Let's talk about you stuffing Matt Brannigan as you plan to. Did you win? Did you win, son? What do you watch the product, Joel? 
Watch the product. What's wrong? You got to do some research here. No, I lost. I ate 17 Oreos in three minutes, which I feel was good. And I think Brannigan ate 22. So he's a professional wrestler. He's got a, he had his shirt off too. It was a very intimidating man. It was tough, but uh, Megabyte Ronnie was fantastic. He competed in the, the Nathan's contest yesterday. I know he's disappointed with his performance, but look, when we talked to him like a month or so ago, a month and a half ago, he didn't even think he was going to do the contest. So the fact that he made it and did the contest is a, is a big accomplishment, at least to me. Um, and I hope he's able to continue to do more contests. He was great like doing commentary for the the Oreo eating contest. Brannigan and I, I did added a really just added a lot to like the overall aesthetic. And otherwise you're just like watching two idiots, just like eat Oreos as fast as we can. And like, that's not very appealing, but Ronnie's like commentary and like tips and like explaining what was going on, breaking it all down. Like just he's, he's fantastic. No matter what he does in life, I feel like he's going to succeed. Brannigan was awesome. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I did not win, but I'll get him back next year. We're going to eat Twinkies, I think, is what the, the audience suggested. So We've turned this into an annual thing, apparently. That uh, sounds dangerous, by the way. Yeah. Doing Twinkies? When are y'all going to choke? I was watching, Ooh. for some reason, I, I, I watched two competitive eaters on my YouTube. And I mentioned this when we did the, uh, the Megabyte Ronnie interview. And uh, for some reason, now YouTube is like, oh, you like competitive eating, do you? So, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, now, now I got Joey Chestnut's uh, Twitter, or not Twitter, a YouTube page showing up on my timeline. And I'm like, all right, I'll watch some Joey Chestnut. I guess he's really good at this. I watched him do the popcorn world record. And afterwards someone asked him like hey what was the hardest part and he's like oh some of the popcorn got lodged in my lung in the first two minutes <laughs> so i feel like a twinkie is going to be a similar situation not it's not going to be as like it's not gonna, it's not popcorn kernel but like it's gonna get sticky it's gonna get gross like you know what i mean i'm very scared of of like twinkies that does not sound like great Honestly, if if I'm being honest, like yeah, doing Twinkies just doesn't sound like it's uh it, it's gonna be very appealing. Yeah, I, I don't like I I don't know about that. The Oreos one, I I was like really sort of prepared for it because I eat Oreos all the time, and I thought like oh I'll just di- I'll take two because it was not double it was not double stuffed one it was the regular thinner ones not the thin ones but like the the normal ones. I was like I can eat two of these at a time, no problems, be easy. I dunked them. And I put it, took that first bite. I was like, this is way more difficult than I thought it was in my mind. It was way more difficult. Uh, And then like, it took me a little, it probably took me a good like 40, 45 seconds. We only did three minutes. It probably took me like 45 seconds to like really establish a rhythm. I think in a rematch, I would do better. And I think had we had an extra like two minutes, I would have made it closer. Next year, I'm actually going to prepare for this thing and i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna like practice and actually do this and get like how it's actually going to feel when you because i eat oreos casually i'll eat oreos all day just like casually when you're going for like speed and like you gotta hit like a time limit and everything you like you're really stuffing it's a whole different beast man much respect to these professional eaters like people are just like oh they're just eating food like how it, it seems disgusting, but like how big of a deal? Nah, like they actually train. When we interviewed Ronnie on the spotlight, he talked about like all the training and stuff that he has to do for this. Like it's a lot. And if you just think you could just like get in here and just like, oh, I'll, I 
easy. I eat all the time. Like, nah, it's a whole different ball game when you're actually trying to do this in like a competitive like environment like that. So, so big respect to all those guys. It was a lot of fun though. And I, I can't thank Ronnie and Brannigan enough for just like going along with it. Cause it was literally an idea that people saw come to fruition on this show. When Ronnie said like, yeah, I don't think I'll be able to do any like competitive eating this year. Like the moment he said that my brain clicked and was like, do you want to do an eating competition against me like on this show? And he couldn't do it because of contractual reasons. So we figured out to where he could do the MC, which he said he always wanted to do. So I think he was actually like real excited to do that portion of it. And then we got Brannigan on board with it as well. So uh, shout out to them. It was, it was a lot of fun. All right. I don't know how much people care about that actually, but no kudos to you because (laughs) first of all, Chad is like Ryan said, he loved the Oreo competition. Honestly, like I need to go back and watch it. I was not available because it's, five o'clock on a Monday. It's a busy holiday uh, for Canadians. It was the day it was coming off of Canada day. So a lot of places, businesses were closed, uh, pull the curtain back. That includes the daycare that uh, my, <laughs> my kid attends. So as a result, we were handling him at home all day. Uh, so I wasn't able to be there, but honestly, I think having Ronnie do the, uh, the MC work, especially after hearing that that's something that he wanted to do and it, it excelled at doing, that makes me even happier. So go check that out. The video is on our Fightful Overbooked uh, page. It's uh, probably under the live because I don't think we clipped it and reposted it. It was live. No, it's live. Yeah. Yeah. So go check the live tab. It's all there. Uh, Ryan Lambert sends a super chat saying in the weeds closing con 2024. <laughs> oh, God. I see. I will keep doing it. We we discussed it on the on the the live thing on the uh, during the competition of like if more wrestlers want to get involved, they we welcome that for next year. Brannigan's out here throwing challenges. Ronnie's like, I've talked to wrestlers who say they want to do this. And he's like, I don't think they understand how hard it is. I'm like, yeah, I certainly did it. That's for sure. Like, I don't think wrestlers do understand like how hard this actually is. So if more wrestlers want to get involved next year, we, we certainly welcome that. I do it because I want, I think it's just funny for our audience and I don't mind doing it when it comes to this stuff, putting myself in, in these positions and I will keep doing it just as the, the dork who just goes through all of this stuff. But I would love if more wrestlers actually like wanted to get involved with this and who knows, maybe next year more people will, maybe people will see how much fun we had with it and just they'll, they'll, they'll be willing to do it. But Brandigan's throwing out challenges, man. I'm uh I'm I'm in between here. Do we call you Glizeremy or do we call you Jared Glizzy? What do we what do we do? Oh boy. Oh, we had Glizzy kinda... McGuire over here in the women's competition. Or she went by Glizzy Lizzie. Glizzy Lizzie. Yeah. Glizzy McGuire is good though. That's good. I like that. Um I like Jared Glizzy. I, I I'm I'm cool with that. Uh Ryan says he'll, he'll do uh Sour Patch Kids. See, candy, see, I don't know how this would go, but candy's like small. I feel like you just like chuck those in your mouth like real quickly and it can, again, you think like this is, this is an easy thing until you actually start doing it. You're like, oh, this actually sucks to do this. And again, you know what the the worst part is? It's not necessarily the, the, um, the stomaching the food. Like, yeah, you have to do that. 
your jaw like you have to chew yeah and it's not easy to i mean again go go and eat a like, eat a full ass steak and when afterwards you probably your jaw might hurt a little bit if the well i mean if, the, if it was cooked poorly but uh <laughs> <laughs> but the point i'm making is that yeah like chew gum for a long time and your jaw is going to be a little sore afterwards that's what you're working with it's the jaw more or it's probably the, to the jaw in the stomach. I'm not a competitive eater, but like from what I see, a lot of uh, competitive eaters talk about their jaw. Look, again, look at Joey Chestnut. The man's jaw looks like it's chiseled out of granite, which is absolutely wild. Uh, and he he retained that uh, that hot dog eating contest on Nathan's. He got that that mustard belt. What was that? Sixteen years in a row, sixteen times in a row. Wild. Yeah, they got to make new stars in this thing, man. Like, what are we doing? We gotta have some new talent. Louie in the Louie in the chat saying the chestnut push is getting boring after years. Go. This all goes back to the Alex Hammerstone interview where we're talking about long title reigns, how to keep them fresh. (laughs) We got to start finding new ways for Joey Chestnut to uh, have. He's got to defend it in like a triple threat or like you pass the hot dog every or you put a habanero pepper. I don't know. You got to do something. You got to put the match in a cage. That's what you got to (laughs) do. They got to reach through a giant. I don't know, giant fire to get the to get the hot dogs. Uh, Ryan saying, will In the Weeds become the competitive eating podcast? Jensen loves this stuff. I'm sure we'll talk about it tomorrow on the spotlight, but you know, he was praising Joey Chestnut. He's met Joey Chestnut a couple of times. Jensen absolutely loves the eating competition thing. And I think for, for those curious, wondering, whatever, one, you can just watch the uh, Oreo eating contest on Fightful Overbooked. Um, because it was a, a holiday weekend and everything, we didn't line up a guest for... Oh, the creator spotlight tomorrow. So Jensen's like, do you just want to air like your Oreo eating competition as a creator spotlight? I was like, yeah, sure. Like we'll do that. So it'll air on the spotlight tomorrow. If uh, anybody wants to to check it out again. That's um, amazing. Yeah. On the spotlight. See, Ryan says I've, I've downed a five pound bag of, of the Sour Patch Kids and could also do cosmic brownies. There's a, there's a difference between like just casually eating and then eating for speed. But it, hey, right? Like you're you're more than welcome. We'll we'll figure it out. I would, I think we can have a lot of fun every July third doing this nonsense or whatever the Monday falls on. Like I think we can have a lot of fun doing this nonsense uh, every year, and you know, we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens next year with with all of this. Eddie Kingston. <laughs> To me, uh, yeah. By the way, uh, we're not done with the interviews because uh, at eleven o'clock, I should probably plug this. Uh, we we've got this is this has been the funniest few days with him. Uh, oh yeah, from MLW. Well, I guess recently from MLW, he made his uh, his return to wrestling after a few years at Battle Riot. Uh, Snitsky is going to be with us. Gene Snitsky. It wasn't my fault. Gene Snitsky is going to be on the show in about 20 minutes if you're watching live here on Fightful Overbooked. Uh, he's going to be joining us. We're going to talk to him about a, a plethora of things. Did you know that he owns a, an army or he's part ownership of an army surplus store in Pennsylvania? Like the dude, the dude's doing stuff. It's it's wild. So we're going to have Snitsky on at 11 o'clock. Are we going to ask him about kicking babies? <laughs> He's already been asked. He was just asked about it. I was doing my research and someone asked about it and he talked about the uh, the Vince McMahon wow. influence and the kicking baby and all that stuff. So you could ask again, see if you get a little more out of him. You could, but honestly, I got other stuff I want to ask him about. So I I want to ask what came out first. Um, Anchorman was definitely after he kicked the baby, right? Oh, that I don't know. When did Anchorman come out? It had, I was in high school. Yeah, let me look this up. Anchorman, Anchorman came out in 2004. 
Yeah, okay. So when did Snitsky kick the baby? Snitsky kicks baby. Raw 2004. Oh, wow. same time. Well, okay, when... so which which came? Anchorman had to. It was November when he kicked yeah, the baby. Anchorman was July 9, 2004. So it happened okay. just before so, Anchorman. Or just after Anchorman. Was, so what I want to know is, was Jack Black punting the puppy off the bridge? Was that the basis for him punting the baby. Not if it was a Vince McMahon call because Vince McMahon only watches <laughs> WWE programming. So I don't know. <laughs> Vince usually speaks true to life. So uh, I don't know. I, maybe you should ask that question actually, because now we, now we've answered the important question of which came first, the anchor man or the baby <laughs> kick, the, the puppy or the baby, which came first. I'm going to ask that. That's, that's going to be my big question to ask Gene Snitsky, Snisky uh, for, for MLW. <laughs> Yes, he's Snisky in a, in 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 MLW. Uh, that's yeah. that's not a it's not a typo. That's actually how he's what he's going under in uh, in MLW. Uh, I assume it's a copyright thing. So Eddie Kingston won his first major singles championship for a, a major promotion, capturing the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship. Listen, I think this is really cool. I think it's great. You can see the um, just the emotion in Eddie's eyes and in his face when he did it. He beat Kenta this morning in Cork and Hall, uh, which is, again, for anyone who's like a as big of a wrestling fan as Eddie Kingston is and talks about, um, you can understand why that's important to him. My hope coming out of this is that the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship becomes a, uh, a a more important title than it has been over the last, God, six to eight months. But how do you feel? I mean, you're you're an Eddie Kingston fan. I feel like most people are. Uh, I was very happy for for Eddie Kingston. Um, I was looking forward to like the Kenta reign when when he got it from Fred Rosser. The, first off, the Tom Waller and Fred Rosser reigns were were very good. It helped really establish uh, New Japan strong and everything, especially during uh, Lawler's reign. Like kicked off like, during the pandemic era, so like they were still doing like empty arena kind of stuff. So like to to establish the belt during that time, Tom Waller and and Fred Rosser did a great job. When Kenta got it, I was like, oh this. Now where Kenta's got a lot of name value and, and is a name a lot of people like and, and know and everything, I thought, oh, this is going to be good. And then it really wasn't. And then he lost to Hikaleu, and then Hikaleu's reign was like two days, and then he lost it back to Kenta, and Kenta didn't even – this was his first title defense, and he lost it. So the Kenta reign was on two levels, on, on two different reigns, was not very good. Um, now Eddie gets it. And I hope they can really reestablish it to where it was, honestly, before Kenta. And I, I know that wasn't even that long ago. Kenta just won it this year. So it's not like it's had this long history of like bad reigns or anything. It was just this year. But I hope Eddie can can really reestablish it. And they work to really reestablish that. He's going to be competing in the G1. So they can set up a lot of stuff through the G1 because Eddie, spoiler alert, is not going to go undefeated in the G1. What? He's gonna, yes. He's going to take some losses. He's going to take some losses. So, everybody. Everybody thought, takes losses. No, you, no. Come on. When Okada was, was IWGP champion, he, he, he ran the gamut, won the entire G1, never lost a match. That's what happened, right? That's how my memory remembers this. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. He will lose. <laughs> you, yeah. He so, lose matches along the way. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, will, he will take some losses and they will set up some, some matches for the strong title off of those losses because that's what they like to do 
in the G1 tournament. Like when, you know, the IWGP Sonata's in it, I'm sure he will take an L at some point in the G1 what? and that'll set up a title defense at uh, their November show that, that escapes my mind right now. Um, so that that's just how it works. That's just how it works. So I look forward to whoever beats Eddie Kingston in the G1. And then I look forward to how they set that up when it comes to the title defenses uh, for the, the strong open weight title, hopefully in Japan, when some of these matches happen, I know Eddie likes to keep wrestling Japan. He's obviously got stuff to do in AEW, And this is where I think things can be a little tricky is, you know, we saw with Willow Willow also, well, sorry to spoil all this. It's Aaron. It's not spoil. It's Aaron. It's, it was. It was yeah, on. I, I get. I, know, the, but... I get that some of us haven't watched the show in full yet, but you can put it out there. Yeah, we were going to talk about Willow next anyway. So, so go ahead. So, so Willow won the the strong women's title, the first strong women's champion, and you know it seemed reportedly that was not supposed to be her spot, but Mercedes got injured, so they called an audible there, and and she got the belt. She defended it twice, but then she lost to Tony Storm at Forbidden Door. Um. She lost the title today to to Julia. Willow's facing Athena on Saturday at Collision as part of the Own Heart Tournament. I think she's probably going to take that L as well. And maybe they didn't want the the strong women's champion losing first to Tony Storm and then to Athena, the ROH champion. So they they got the title off of her. They got it to Julia, who they can protect a little bit more in Japan. My my point to bring this all back around is Eddie's still in AEW slash ROH. Is he going to take losses there or do they have to be a little bit more protective of him? And if that's the case, how protective are they going to be? And do they just decide it's not worth protecting Eddie this much on these shows? Let's go ahead and take the title off of him pretty quickly when it comes to Japan Strong. Oh, boy. No, this is I'm, I'm actually kind of serious about this. They could run it talking about ROH he still wants Claudio for the ROH championship they're not going to run it at Death Before Dishonor because like you said Eddie's in the G1 and Death Before Dishonor is is during the G1 time but what if they do a title for title match what if it's Claudio versus Eddie title for winner take all and Claudio wins the New Japan Strong Open Weight Championship Claudio just did his uh, his New Japan debut and to very large fanfare people were quite happy with his work and he was excited to go back maybe that's a place to go or at least revisit uh you know claudio in japan i could see that being the case i don't know if that's something that that tony khan or that gato or or anyone in New japan want to do but like i, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that there's a lot of possibilities with, with Eddie just as the champion, right? Because he is working AEW. He is working uh, ROH. Now he's in Japan right now. Strong, they run their tentpole events in America. So And Eddie's been working those shows as well throughout uh, the past few years. So he can, he can still be working those. Like I think Eddie is a great champion. I think they can do a lot with it. And he can have title defenses against really anybody from any of those brands companies and it would make a lot of sense and it would help establish Eddie as the champion and just the the title overall but that's where it does come down to okay the champion is technically an AEW contracted talent with a new Japan championship and i understand they got a good relationship the partnership is strong the partnership is good but there's still booking philosophies and booking holdups that can complicate 
these matters. And that's what they have to, to navigate. Like who is AEW willing to beat to make sure that Eddie doesn't take a loss? Who is AEW willing to have Eddie beat, but is New Japan happy with their champion taking that loss? Like there's just got to be compromise on that stuff. And I think we've seen some of that compromise very quickly, very in the sh- very short period of time with Willow of, yeah, she can lose to the AEW women's champion at Forbidden Door. That's okay. But can she lose to the ROH women's champion at on an episode of Collision? Don't know if I fully like that. Okay, let's get the title on Julia here. And again, I know that was a different scenario because Willow was, reportedly wasn't supposed to win that match anyway. But these are just the the kind of holdups and, and complications and compromises that have to be navigated with this stuff. I do wonder, though, was Julia always supposed to win the New Japan Strong title this weekend if Mercedes had been champion. I And that's the thing. I don't love that Willow dropped the title this quickly. I thought the reign should have been a little bit longer. She's the first women's New Japan Strong champion. It just, I think we could have set it up better. And I understand there are certain circumstances that play into it, but, you know, you can you can move around some things and play with some, you know, play with some, uh, some wins and losses to make it her remain credible and maybe not go to Julia right away. I get that Julia on the card was a big deal for, uh, for the weekend for the shows, but I don't know. I just, I, I get it. I'm not upset about Julia holding that, that championship. I just wonder, you know, why do we go there so quickly? Well, this is, this is what I'm trying to, trying to throw out here. Joel is did they go there so quickly because they put Willow in this tournament and she just lost to Tony and she might be losing to Athena and it's like hey we don't need our strong women's champion being two and two is the is the champion she has two title defenses but then she has losses to the AEW champion and the ROH champion that doesn't make us look very great I get that and and again like I I fully understand where you're coming from my my feeling was just like we could have what you're saying, we also could have worked with because it happened in the past now. Like it's, there could have been something different. I don't know what it was. Willow could have gone to the finals of the uh, of the Owen and faced Britt Baker, whoever it's going to be. Um, but I, I mean, I still think it's Athena who's going to win the Owen this year. But that's just me. Uh, again, that's just me. So I, I don't know. I just I. I I don't hate it, but I understand why they did it. Uh, I just wish they kind of would have given her a little bit more on that uh, on that championship reign. But again, not going to complain. She did the best that she could do with what she had. Yeah, and you know we we don't know where it was supposed to go with Mercedes reportedly supposed to be in the first champion anyway. They had to call the audible with Willow. That switched up things, and it became what it became. You know, theoretically, you could have just taken Willow out of uh the own and not put her in there in the first place and then that would have protected her a little bit more and then you you move on with things from there and we talked about that we talked about maybe putting taya in willow's spot so taya wins the first round but then maybe loses to athena in in the second round but at least you have a canadian talent in this tournament because they didn't have any canadian talent in the tournament so i'm looking forward to it it was a good show uh go go check out the new japan strong weekend of shows uh our own alex coglin who was on the show has won some gold as well so go check that out bill club war dogs continue to impress as they should so looking forward to that uh he's a little bit early shall we get to it yes you're doing the yes. intro i'm doing the intro ladies and gentlemen 
It's not his fault, but he's here today, and I'm very excited to include him on the show. MLW's own, well, now he is, at least uh, he made his, his re-debut. He showed up at the Battle Riot, and he's going to be at the uh, the fallout from 2300 Arena at Never Say Never. It is the one and only Snisky. Hello, Snisky. How you doing? What's up? How you doing? Tremendous. How about you guys? Doing well. Doing well. Gotta love technology, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's hop right into it. You made your MLW debut and really your wrestling return after a few years at the Battle Riot. Uh, how'd this all come about? What brought you into MLW and what's keeping you here? Well, I uh, got contacted by Lance Anawaii, who was uh, you know, part of the Samoan dynasty, and his dad actually trained me. His dad and his grandfather, Alpha. So he reached out to me and was like, hey, Oos, you want to you know, do some stuff at MLW? Court wants to bring you in. I was like, Heck yeah, man, let's do it. Uh, you know, I love those guys. I love Court. I know Court a long time. We go way, way back. He's, uh, you know, created quite a thing for himself here with MLW. And, you know, I was honored to be involved. And, you know, here we go. Let's do it. As the as the show says for Saturday, never say never. <laughs> do you know who you're facing on Saturday? It just says you are in action. Have you been given a heads up or are you just going to kick whoever is is put in front of you? Well, I've been told by a little birdie that it's possibly micro man. But if that's the case, he's going to be nanometer man after I get done with him because I'm going to knock him around like a redheaded stepchild. And no offense to redheaded stepchilds, but you might want to have the stretcher ready in Philly because I'm bringing it and I'm bringing it hard and fast. And whatever happens, it's not my fault. Let's okay. Hold on. If you're if if Microman is the guy that Snisky gets, what are the odds that we see a certain punt <laughs> spot come back in MLW now? Well, I hate to be cliche, but never say never. <laughs> of course. Yeah. See, see how I'm plugging that name right into almost everything I'm talking about. It's called Marketing 101, boys. Do you have the It's Not My Fault t-shirt? Because I was listening to an interview, I believe, with Brian Hebner, um, where, where you were on, and you said you'd make a killing off these shirts, but you, you haven't done them. Do we have these ready to go? We do. ProWrestlingTees.com. Just search Snitsky. I got all kind of merch there. They were uh, nice enough to, to contact me, and we started a little store there. So any Snitsky fan can get your Snitsky merch at ProWrestlingTees.com. And then just search Snitsky. I have a plethora of amazing items, if I say so myself. Is there any? Are there any weird items that you've got in there that you want to you want to plug? It all depends on what you consider weird. The weird to somebody might be awesome to somebody else. <laughs> so fair. you got to specify. You know, what do you mean by weird? Are you calling me weird? No, that hurts me. Yeah, Joel, are you calling Snitsky weird? Don't make me come punch? through the screen. Yeah, will you punch Joel Pearl? Will you punch him and then kick him and then just basically beat him up? I definitely can make that happen. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> <laughs> You're part owner of an army surplus store. You're clearly there right now. Uh, yes. Talk to me about the store. And I'm actually, well, I want to ask there, what's the weirdest thing that y'all sell? <laughs> well, ooh, that's a tough question. Hey, guys, what's the weirdest thing that we sell here at Priority One? Sell or sell? Sell. 
The gentleman on the podcast asked what our weirdest item to sell is. That's a tough question. Like I said, it all depends on what you consider weird. We have uh, we have survival gear. We have food items. We have medical items. We have clothing items. We got ammo cans, ammo mags. I mean, it's quite a large store, as you can see. Yeah, it's massive. Holy crap! Yeah, it was just opened. Oh, here you go. <laughs> okay. This is a nice dummy, a dummy grenade, which we call a conversation piece. I'll say. <laughs> just confirm that. I think he's a dummy grenade, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. that's not going to go off on this show. It works right really now. well for dummies. <laughs> it works really well for dummies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, we sell all kinds of stuff. We're here in Hamburg, Pennsylvania, 1744 Tilden Ridge Drive. I'm usually here, so stop by if you're a wrestling fan or even if you want to get some survival stuff or some you know, food items. We sell MREs. We sell all kinds of stuff. So stop by. Say hello. I'll always sign autographs and take pictures. I love my fans. So stop by and see me here at Party One Surplus in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. I was going to say, how many people come up and are like, hey, can I get an autograph or just scream at you like, it's not your fault, and then you know, move on. Like, How many wrestling I, fans I, like, you attend for that? Let's put it this way. If I had a dollar for every time that happened, I wouldn't have to work. <laughs> it yeah, happens quite like often. That. My one guy, my one guy that works here, Aaron, he, uh, he was in the background shaking his head. Yes. <laughs> he's a, uh, he's a air, uh, airborne guy. So we have all military guys working here. It's great. It's a, it's a good spot, man. If you're looking for what we sell, stop by, be happy to talk to you. Happy to take a picture, happy to sign autograph. So you said you have a dollar every time someone uh, would approach you and ask you for an autograph or say it's not my fault. Uh, what what brought you back to wrestling, if not those dollars that people will give you for that opportunity? Like I said, man, I just I like court. I like uh, you know obviously Lance. I'm tight with Lance. The Anawais, the whole family. They trained me. I, I know all of them on a personal level. I love those guys. Uh, I just like entertaining, man. The guys here at the shop will tell you. <clears throat> I'm always goofing around. Always trying to have fun. And what better way to have fun and get to beat people up than pro wrestling, right? <laughs> so the I would I would assume the most infamous segment that you've been part of was the baby punting segment. And I know you said this is a, a Vince McMahon idea, but, but I have to ask, so in the, this segment happened in November of 2004. In July 2004, a little movie called Anchorman came out and there's a very famous scene where jack black punts a puppy off of a bridge do you think that that scene was the basis for you punting this baby i honestly i don't know how it materialized but at the time i was at wwe i was working with dan madigan who wrote kane's movie see no evil dan's a great guy I still keep in touch with him i love dan he uh he came up with that whole storyline. So you have to ask Dan how that all materialized. But to this day, I still get people coming in. Oh, I just watched your thing where you kicked the baby. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy how that took a life of its own. Because like you said, that happened in 2004. And we're in 2023 now. So if my math is good, let me pull off my shoe so I could count to 10. Hold on. <laughs> that would be uh, roughly 18 years, 19 years ago. So, yeah, it's crazy how people still come in and talk about it. But as a performer, <clears throat> it's cool to be remembered for, you know, what you, you did in the ring and your work and 
your body of work and like I'm on the top 50 oh my god moments of WWE I got like all kind of you know all kind of stuff best Royal Rumble elimination every year at Royal Rumble they play that video me and Paul London so yeah as a performer it's awesome you know and uh I love my fans you talked about the uh, the psychology of wrestling recently and that you're not big on like the the acrobatic show that wrestling has kind of become. Um, I want to put that on its head and ask you, can you, this this big man that you are, if there's a pool, can you do a flip into the pool or are you just more like... Oh, a- I don't, need a, I don't need a pool to flip. I'm very athletic. I was first team all state in high school in football. I'm actually uh, inducted into the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame in 2018. So I'm a legit real professional athlete. And I'm not a gymnast. I don't pretend to be one, and I haven't played one on TV. But I'll tell you what, if it comes down to it, when I first got the OVW, I would do a skin the cat to get in the ring, and I got yelled at. They're like, don't ever get in the ring like that again. I was like, okay, I thought I'd show off some of my athleticism. And they're like, nope, you just want to be big and scary. I was like, okay, I could do that. Yeah, I could do backflips. I could do all kind of stuff. I just, you know, the nature of the beast with my character, Vince just wanted me to be a big, scary, crazy guy. So, Ironically, that comes naturally. <laughs> but has there been any like inclination or any like wanting nowadays to to try something like that? I mean, a superplex is one thing, but like just to just to say like, hey, I can do this and kind of show off for a second, or is it like psychology among everything, like above everything? To me, when I started training, pops off a of senior would always tell us, less is more. As a big guy, make everything mean something. So like, I was always trained like a body slam let it sink in, let the person in the very last row absorb it and then move on to the next thing. And then the same, and you know what I'm saying? So like, I try to keep that alive for a big guy. I want to make everything mean something. And like, if you look back on my footage, that's just how I worked. I've always worked like that. Like, you know, I've had matches with Undertaker, Kane, John Cena. And when I hit them with a clothesline or whatever, you know, you knew they were getting hit with a clothesline. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't making it look like I'm pulling up or like short changing it. I now those guys knew if if we call the clothesline, they were getting clothesline. That's just how it is. I mean, I always was told by pops, got to make it snug. You got to make it look real. You're a big guy. If it doesn't, they're gonna they're gonna know it's you know it's you know not real. You mentioned working with with the likes of Undertaker, Kane, John Cena. Any advice from those guys when when it whether it was a character perspective or in ring work? You know, just like I was just saying, I learned a lot off of Glenn, you know, just work your style, work your size, work your look. Like, I think that's the problem with wrestling these days. There's too many guys that want to do the gymnastic stuff, the flips, the flops, the this, the that. Like, if you saw me walking down the street, you wouldn't see see me and go, oh my God, that guy, I bet he does an amazing cartwheel into a backflip, into a superplex, into a, a cannonball. You know what I'm saying? Like, you look at me and you think, man, that guy's going to kick somebody's fucking ass. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the portrayal of my character. I want people to see me and think, man, that guy's going to kick somebody's ass. I don't want someone to look at me and go, oh, yeah, that's the guy that did the, the superplex or the moonsault. Or, like, that's just not my, my character. I think people need to stick more in the character and portray the character that, you know, they're they're trying to portray. That's just my opinion on it. I mean... There's a lot of athletic guys out there that could do all the stuff, but if everybody's doing it, what makes it special? If everybody's doing the same thing, match after match after match, what makes them stand out? What makes them differentiate themselves from somebody else? Nothing, because everybody could do a body slam. Everybody could do a, a suplex. 
you know, it's how you, it's how you, uh, get your character over how you translate your character into those moves. Like when I do my stuff, like my facials, my body language, like all that kind of stuff, you want to incorporate that into the, into the move. And that's what I think helped me to stand out all these years. And people remember the stuff I did because, you know, everybody watches my stuff and they're like, man, you know, at the time you closed on Paul London, I was like, dude, that's, I, I told them, I said, I got to close on you right in the face to make you flip over like that. So it's common be ready for it. And that, you know, this is how it is. What would, uh, 20 years ago, Snitsky, what, what would you tell him now if you had that opportunity? Buy a hot tub and a sauna. <laughs> <laughs> Recovery is essential these days at my age. I'm 53. I'm jacked as heck for 53, though. Look at, look at that. How many 53-year-old guys you know that look like this? Nobody. I'm a physical specimen. I'm 6'6", 260 pounds, lean, muscular, ruggedly handsome, amazing beard, you know. So the recovery aspect would be what I would tell tell a 20-year-old, 20-year-ago Snitsky. I'd say, hey, get a hot tub, get a sauna, recover, you know, try to try to recover as best you can. Because back in those days, we just wrestled, went on to the next town, went out a little bit here and there, wink, wink. And then, uh, you know. Just the recovery portion of it, because I never took care of myself when I was younger. I just went out and did it and, you know, moved on to the next show. These days, it's funny because I'll come home from a show. Like Saturday night, I had a show. I got home 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting out in the hot tub till 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I, uh, uh, and then that morning I get up, I sat in the sauna. So just like recovery stuff, because I've always worked out. I've always been athletic. I've been playing sports since I'm 8 years old. So I've had a very successful athletic career. Uh, translated over into wrestling. So I would just like to have known about recovery and nutrition and that kind of stuff back 20 years ago because I never really, like, followed a certain diet or, you know, recovered properly or any of that kind of stuff. It's just work out as hard as you can, wrestle as hard as you can, move on to the next show. But, you know, you live and you learn. And now that I'm older, I've, you know, experienced a lot of things and I know how to, to avoid certain things and how to feel like, you know, I need to, you know, feel a certain way to get back to, you know, performing for the weekend. So, you know, just stuff like that, but you live and you learn the older you get, you know, you pick things up. And like I said, you know, no matter what time I get home from a show or what, you know, whatever, I'll be sitting out in the hot tub and just chilling in there. And I actually just went to, uh, just went to tractor supply and bought one of the big giant horse troughs and I put ice water in it and I'll sit in there then I go to the hot tub, then back to the ice bath, then back to the hot tub. So, yeah, like stuff like that. My neighbors probably think I'm nuts, but I don't care because I probably am a little. I am probably a little nuts. I mean, running around in your underwear, at 53 years old. You know, it's not the normal thing to do. <laughs> you were you were part of a very famous match, the 17 on two handicap elimination match where, where you and 16 other men faced John Cena and Randy Orton. This match gets, it's brought up a lot and is memed a lot online. Do you have any memories of, of working this match and a 17 on two handicap elimination match? I just remember like the nightmare of trying to set it up. Cause with that many guys involved, it's almost like a Royal rumble. Cause you have, everybody has their spot. Everybody has their time. It's like, just like, I always joke around with the guys here at the shop. I'm like, man, I have enough trouble remembering what I did yesterday. I don't know how I remembered all that stuff back then with all the chair shots I've had and the tables I've been through and, 
like the guys just laugh and then I showed them videos and they're like, ooh, ooh. Because <laughs> back in those days, you got hit with a chair. You didn't put your hand up. You just got hit with the chair. There's a there's a Mimi or Mem or whatever they call them going around. The big show hit me in the head with that kitchen sink. And you can see clearly in the picture, I don't have my hands up. I don't, I'm don't. i not protecting myself. I'm just getting hit, hit square in the head with a kitchen sink. And it, uh, you know, luckily I have a very thick cranium because I've been hitting the head with a lot of things over the years. Not counting the stuff my wife hits me with in the basement. Hello. <laughs> but speaking of wives, hello, Carolyn. My beautiful <laughs> wife, Carolyn. I love you. I won't hey. tell anybody our secret basement activities. <laughs> Does it involve a giant trough and an ice bath? No, you don't have to get into it. It's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I would... Go ahead, Jeremy. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna, you know, look that we gotta, we gotta mention the feet stuff here. I didn't know if that came into play because uh, that well, was. Let's, a just, very... let's just put it this way: no, to not disrespect my wife in any way by talking about other women's feet. My wife has the nicest size tens you'll ever find, and that's why she's my wife. We'll just leave it at that. How about that? She's six one. She played college volleyball. She's jacked. We have a gym in our basement at home, and. I got to try to keep up with her, man. She just turned 54 and she's tall, lean. So I can't, you know, I can't be like the fluffy part of the relationship. I got to be, you know, I got to look good for the wife. Speaking of looking good, you've got this giant beard. I know you mentioned it. Do you, because we're all bearded guys on the stream right now. Do you have a beard care routine? And what is it if you do? You know, it's funny. I get asked that a lot. And, uh, I don't. Actually, my my buddy here at the shop, Aaron, that I was just talking about, <clears throat> he started growing out his beard. And I, the only thing I ever told him was condition it, condition it, condition it, and get a good brush. So he has like this real fancy brush, and he's following my lead, and he's growing a very stellar beard. So anybody out there that wants to grow a stellar beard, follow Snitsky's two rules. Condition, condition, condition. That was three. I was just seeing if you're paying attention. <laughs> Um, you've, you've mentioned in past interviews, your, your relationship with, with gold dust and how you guys were supposed to win the championships, but, but Dustin was kind of going through things like that. Have you talked to Dustin in, in the past since, since all of that and just kind of gotten on the same page with him? Yeah. I mean, life happens, man. He was going through a divorce, you know, everybody's been there down and out. It happens, you know, I'm not going to hold it against them. It's, you know, shit happens. That's why they have toilet paper. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> I mean, he's a great guy. We had so much fun. The backstage segment we did that one time in Vegas is still one of my favorites. It's the most ridiculous off-the-wall backstage segment. But, man, was it fun. We had so much fun wrestling together. He's uh, he's a great guy, great in-ring mind. He, he, like, oh, my God, the stuff he would set up for us and the double-team moves and all that kind of stuff, he's amazing. I mean, you know, his his body of work speaks for itself. But uh, I loved working with him. We had so much fun and chemistry, and it's a shame. But hey, you know, every, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and you know, people got to get their life in order, and I understand that. And he was going through some stuff, and you know, I don't hold it against him. It's you know, it is what it is. Every it happens to everybody sooner or later, you know. As we start to wind down here, um, I gotta ask because you are now a part of MLW. Other than I know you can want gold. I get that. Is there anyone else in the ring that you want to face off with uh, in MLW? Oh, man, there's a lot of good talent there. I mean, I have my little cheat sheet here that I didn't even get to yet. But, 
Yeah, I mean, MLW, we got, you know, Timothy Thatcher's coming back after four years. He's making his return. It's actually the first live MLW special in four years. It's, uh, you know, we got the Hammerstone Alex Kane World Championship match. We got Jacob Fatu versus Calvin Tankman. You know, the one I'm looking forward to is the fans bring the weapons match with the Samoan SWAT team. Because, you know, like I said, I'm very tight with the Samoans. Yeah, um, one of the main reasons I'm even where I'm at right now is, you know, Samu. And, you know, now I'm getting to work with his son, Lance. So I've gotten all three generations of the Samoans. So that's kind of cool. I used to travel with Eki at WWE. I met the Usos when they were just young teenagers looking to get into wrestling. And look at them now. So it's kind of cool, like the whole the road I've traveled through wrestling, knowing, you know, Alpha, Samu, Lloyd, Alpha Jr., you know, now Lance. Alpha Jr. has his own federation now in Broadheadsville, Pennsylvania. I work with them once a month, every month, Battlefield Pro Wrestling. So if anybody's up in that area, last Sunday of every month we do shows, stop by, check us out. And uh, But back to MLW, we have, uh, you know, I think they're one of the best-kept secrets in wrestling. We have a style different than everybody else. We do a little everything. We have the hardcore. We got the lucha-type stuff, you know, all kind of stuff. So if you're a true-at-heart wrestling fan, this kind of covers all the bases. And that's what's cool about MLW, and that's why I wanted to be a part of it. Plus, like I said, I've known Court forever. Him and I actually met at Dory Funk's camp back when I was looking to break into the wrestling. So he's actually one of the reasons, probably the reason that I hooked up with the Samoans because he referred me to Samu to do a tour. So my very first tour was with Samu and we hit the whole Middle East, you know, all throughout Southeast Asia. We we're all over the place. I was gone a month. So I got a quick, uh, a quick tutelage on, you know, the business and Sam broke me in his brother Lloyd. And uh, like I said, got to work with Alpha Jr. a lot. And uh, just, yeah, what a family tree, man. Look, just look at the wrestling business. There's always been a Samoan, always been, you know, a top guy, Samoan. Look at Roman now. You know, I used to travel with his brother, Matty. You know, I, you know, I knew Joe when he was just a college football player at Georgia Tech. So it's kind of cool to see how these guys are progressing in the business. But, uh, you know, I'm just honored to be involved. I love, uh, love entertaining. I love wrestling. I love performing. <clears throat> and MLW gives you a little of everything, man. They got, you know, they, they touch all the bases. It's a top, top-notch production. Let's watch the TV show. It's on TV. You can stream it on the YouTube channel. It's on Reels. They got, all, you know, all kind of stuff going on. I'm truly honored and privileged to be involved. And as the show title says, never say never with Snitsky, MLW, or Pro Wrestling, because you just never know where I'm going to show up or where I'm going to knock somebody's teeth out. It, it, anything could happen. That's the beauty of Pro Wrestling. And no matter what does happen, everybody in the world knows it's not my fault. There you go. The ugly master of pain, Gene Snitsky. <laughs> will be in action July the 8th at MLW Never Say Never at the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia. Go get your tickets if you're in town at MLW2300.com. Or you can watch... Yep, they start at just 15 bucks. Get your tickets. Stop by. I'm going to be kicking somebody's butt. It doesn't matter who. But like I said, if it's Micro Man, I'm going to change him into Nanometer Man. Do your research, guys. See what that means, because I <laughs> do 
and I know how to inflict pain. And there's pain coming to Philly this Saturday night. MLW, be there, or I will find you and snap you like a twig. That doesn't sound good at all. The the unglued master of press is what I want to start calling you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and don't forget, go to ProWrestlingTees.com, buy my merch, get some. Now, do it! Plug your socials, too, while you're here, and then, then we're good to go. The Real Snitsky on Instagram, Big Gene Snitsky on Twitter. I don't usually do Facebook or wrestling fans, but I also am on Facebook. If you get to meet me in person, I'll usually friend you on Facebook as well. But I try to leave the wrestling to Twitter and Instagram. But uh, just want to, you know, thank all the fans. There'd be no Snitsky <clears throat> without them. <clears throat> so make sure you, uh, you know, Follow along and all the crazy stuff that my wife and I do on social media because I'm also into four-wheeling. My wife and I go four-wheeling quite often, and uh, she likes to have fun just as much as I do. So we're always looking to to have some sort of adventure out here in the cold regions of Pennsylvania. Snitsky, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, and no worries. Have fun on July 8th. We'll see what you do. <laughs> well, you will see, and... Make sure you check out MLW and all the platforms, Reels, YouTube. Check their YouTube channel out Thursday nights at 8. And, of course, check me out. Snitsky, I'll be there. Somebody's going to get hurt. Mark my words. Ha <laughs> All right. Take care, Snitsky. Thanks again. Thank you, Snitsky. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. And uh, there you go. Gene Snitsky. Amazing. Fantastic. That was Listen, I, I was seriously unglued master of, uh, of promotion. He he hit it all. That was fantastic. It was it was fantastic. I will I will. Uh, so well, as we like to do, we'll go peel back the curtain here a little bit. We were trying to set things up for the for this week for basically MLW week on in the weeds, and I was in contact with Court, and he uh, messaged me trying to try to get things up. He's like, "Hey, can you, do you want to have Snisky on Monday?" I was like, "Yeah, that'd be great." And then messages uh were missed on i think a a few sides uh myself included and uh so court ended up joining us on monday which which was which was fantastic and then at like 11 10 uh i saw snisky was in the chat but we weren't sure if it was really him uh we're like is it what's what's happening here well again going back to the whole like his name versus his his government name Right. right in the chat, it was Snizky without the T, but the T is his WWE name. So yeah. we were like, "Is this the real dude?" So we were kind of ignoring it at the time. But yeah, yeah. Um, so we weren't sure, but then you you had met you were messaging me during the show on Monday. He's like, "I'm pretty sure like Snitsky's messaging me and is like trying to get on the show." And I'm like, "Yeah, that was who we're, we were supposed to have." So I was like, "Yeah, shoot me, tell him to shoot me a message." And then so it was like eleven ten. He he got, he sent me a message. And by that point, like Naren was supposed to be on at eleven twenty. I was like, "Well, we don't. We're gonna do like ten minutes with, with Snitsky. Like, we want to have a, a longer time with him. Um, and we weren't gonna shortchange Naren or anything. So, we. I was in contact with him. I was like, "Can you do eleven on Wednesday?" He's like, "Yep, eleven on Wednesday is great." So that's how it all it all got set up. So um, I'm glad it all worked out. I'm glad he was here. He was uh very fun. And uh, <laughs> you're you're right about the the unglued man of media there when it comes to to Snitsky. He's He's uh it's not his fault, Joel Pearl. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. Uh he's gonna beat but, you up too, which rolls. Right. He's gonna beat me up. I can't believe you brought that back around. And I knew he was gonna be the one who's like, Yeah, I'll beat him up. Like, thanks. Of course. Of course. 
Dan he, is he, mentioning he, my my bad sunburn, which is factual. Uh, I was, yeah, I was trying not to draw attention to it, but you know, oh, it's fine. Yesterday, yeah, it was. I got. I t- I touched. So I didn't really touch grass. If I'm, if I'm being honest, I I swam in water. What do you? Is that is that what you would say? Like it's like got watered, is, got wet. Yeah, I got, got wet, wet, Joel. Yes. You're not you're not weeds getting watered. You are a human getting wet. Uh, yeah, yeah if, if weeds are sorry, not touching weeds. If touching grass is like a plus, then the water is like a solid B. Yeah, that was it was a, it was a good day. Good day. Good day with family out on the boat with some uh, family friends as well. We got hot dogs. Uh, the the Coast Guard was just going around on their boat, just tossing everybody hot dogs, which rolled instead of trying to get people in trouble. Or maybe they're trying to get people in trouble. Uh, just passing out hot dogs to everybody out on the lake. So it was a fun day. And yes, I did get sunburned as uh, people can see. So this is this is what I'm rocking. I'm rocking the, uh, let's say, MJF tan. He just has a bad tan. Um, just, a, just a lot of color on him uh louis louis saying someone messaged him that joel pearl said it was his fault i i will peel the curtain back i sent this to sean earlier i said he, this man snitsky was the first person who's ever messaged me with using his gimmick as an excuse for missing the interview that we were going to do he literally said it wasn't my fault in the message and i just howled with laughter but yeah. uh, we, we appreciate him making up for it and uh and being a part of the show today, he clearly, you know, we all had a blast. So uh, it was good. It was good stuff. It was it was a very fun time. Uh yes, yeah, he he did. That was the first thing I think he messaged me. Like it wasn't my fault. Like he, he knew. He, he, knows, knew. he knows where the money's at. You gotta you gotta ride that stuff until until the wheels fall off. And like he said, he if he had a dollar every time somebody said it to him, he wouldn't have to do this wrestling thing. So that stuff sticks, man. Like we're we're old and everything. Uh, but that nostalgia stuff, like if you're part of some of these segments, whether they're they're good or bad or distasteful, uh, that stuff sticks with people. And the it wasn't my fault. Like it's stuck, right? It is stuck for nearly a day, de- two decades now. Yeah, and it has. And you know what? It's the same thing. LA Knight's going to do the same thing. Yeah, it's going to be and forever and ever adjacent and stuck to him. He's been doing it, you know, again, he did it since before his WWE run, before his impact run. He's been doing it forever, ever since uh, Eli Drake. Yeah. So, uh, good. This is this is good. I like I like that Snitsky leans into it. It's a good interview. Good time. He is uh he's one of a kind, I'll tell you that much. He is. He is. <laughs> we got about a half an hour left. Let's um I, th- I think we kind of we, we got where we wanted to go with the Eddie Kingston and, and the Willow stuff. Um, yeah. let, let's shift. Uh, after we got off the air on Monday, Uso sent out a tweet saying that they are going to put the Tribal Chief on trial. So this Friday night on SmackDown in Madison Square Garden, it's going to be a sold out show, and I'm st- I'm waiting for Fox to make the announcement that. Uh, and this isn't me reporting anything. I would not be surprised if they say a, a free an hour commercial free first hour or or second hour whatever it is to get you hyped for this uh this this tribal trial or whatever they're going to call it this time uh they they did that and that, the reason why i'm saying that is because they did that with the Sami Zayn segment that was also a commercial free hour of raw that that particular week so we'll see what they do but uh what do you think this is the next uh, the next layer is uh, roman reigns on trial now i thought the the first trial the, the Sami Zayn trial was was a lot of fun and i expect this to to kind of be no different honestly now that we have roman losing I'm not like the, the trial thing will be fun. Like it's it's nice to be cinema. Uh, nice to be like camp, right? But 
the the big thing here is just the fallout from Money in the Bank. No matter how they were going to do it, if it was just going to be for the third time in four weeks, Roman Reigns returns, if they were just going to do that little gimmick, whatever, however they were going to set this up, the big thing was going to be the Money in the Bank fallout. They're doing a trial, which again, I think can be really fun if they do like the Exhibit A, Exhibit B, like here's how you have been a jerk for three years. Now, here's what you put us through for three years. I hope Sammy is part of this. I know Sammy is said like, we're done with that. I know Kevin has said, but like they played such a big part. Sammy in particular played such a big part. Like you got to have, you got to bring him in as like a surprise witness type of thing. Like they're doing the trial and Heyman's making his appeal. And, and Jay is like, you know what? You know what? Oos? I got somebody who you weren't expecting. I got surprise witness, Sammy Zane. And here comes Sammy in his suit dancing like, oh, I'm about to ruin this man with all this evidence I got against him. I want to see the handshake and all, all of that. I want to see all of that again. Like, that's what I need. I need a Sammy Uso reunion here. That That's what I really want out of this trial because he was such a big part of it. And just, you know, as the nod to everybody. But the big thing will be like Roman and how he reacts to all of this because he lost he got penned what happens next with the tribal chief it's gonna be really fun when paul Heyman says if the glove the one that that roman reigns wears if the glove doesn't fit you must acquit the tribal chief <laughs> he, he will absolutely if there's one thing paul Heyman's gonna do he's gonna bring out an old 1990s reference to a trial that anyway that <laughs> I would love to see. He wears one glove. Why wouldn't you bring it up? So uh, it's going to be a really fun episode of SmackDown, I think. Edge is coming back. They're going to put him on the the Grayson Walla effect. So clearly that's going to be something. Uh, I'm I'm honestly, I'm more interested in seeing how we start to potentially wind Edge down. Uh, It feels to me like the SmackDown that's coming to Toronto in August, just after SummerSlam, it's been teased for a long time by by Edge himself that he wanted to go out at home in Toronto and uh, on his terms. And he said in that uh, that raw that was in Toronto back in October of last year when Johnny Gargano came back uh, after the show, Edge said after he had a match with I think it was Damian Priest and it was anyway it was the main event. And he said, uh, you know, I don't know how much longer I want to do this, but I know every t- every year we come around this this part of town, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is my last raw next time. So. Tease has been made in Montreal. He said, maybe not. Uh, he's kept people guessing. What do you think? Is this uh, the beginning of the end for Edge's career in the ring resurgence as it is? I think he holds out for another year. I know, I know like the, the way he's talked and the, the tease of Toronto uh, SmackDown in, in August and everything. I know that's been the thing. I think he holds out for just a bigger event. And SmackDown and SmackDown, mind you, makes sense because that's real, really where like he kind of rose up through everything. So I understand why SmackDown would make sense. They're going to run a Canadian premium live event next year. It's going to happen. Where I, what event? I don't know, but like it's it'll going, be in, it'll be in Regina. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's going to happen though. I, it just especially the success they've had with the non-US premium live events this year. I think you're going to continue to see that trend next year with all the big, uh, with, with live events going 
elsewhere. The the big ones will kind of stick to America, I would assume. But I, you know, maybe have they announced Rumble uh, location for for the Rumble yet? Have they announced Survivor Series? I don't know if they've announced Survivor Series because I've um, seen I've seen two places. I saw the Honda Center in Texas, and then I saw Philly at the Wells Fargo Center, and neither of those were from reputable websites. Right. So I don't uh, know if they've even announced the Survivor Series location. Okay. Well, they they have not announced Rumble. It was rumored that like Orlando really wanted it. I don't know if Orlando like fully got confirmed on that. Uh, but they they haven't announced that. They obviously they haven't announced SummerSlam next year. I think really the only thing they have announced was WrestleMania in Philly. So my point is still some premium live event. It might not be one of the big five now. It might not be one of them, but some premium live event will be in Canada next year and maybe it will be in toronto and i think edge is going to hold out for whatever that canadian premium live event is going to be next year it will almost certainly be in toronto because uh if we're if we're going back to the whole conversation about AEW running wembley (laughs) if you don't think for one second that wwe doesn't want to come back to toronto and say our gate was bigger than the last time a wrestling show ran here in uh, in 2023 then I, I i don't know what to tell y'all you know what it's fine i again i'm i'm happy that wrestling continues to push itself with competition that's fine little jabs like these make me laugh from both sides when they when they do like our gate was bigger our gate's the biggest da, 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 more tickets sure whatever have fun with it so i i agree with you we would most likely see another ple in in canada don't know where vancouver is not really a hotbed for wrestling. There are a lot of, of wrestlers that are starting to come out of there and work independence in, you know, Calgary and Edmonton. It's been a long time since Edmonton's had a, a big event. Uh, I think their last pay-per-view was what backlash 2004. That was just after a certain someone had won the, the world championship. So they wanted to give him a leg up on his championship run. So uh, it's, it's been a while since Edmonton's been, you know, featured. Uh, so who knows there there will be a canadian show it won't be montreal as great as it was doing elimination chamber there you only to go every single year when you've got an entire country uh do all the ple's in, in canada why not and then let me go cover them no no need for sean ross app sean hates toronto very famously hates toronto decided to do uh london england decided to go to the uk instead of come to toronto so clearly he loves the uk now more than he loves toronto that's the way that it works has he mentioned how much he dislikes the UK as well? Probably. Okay. Just burying the UK to me in our text messages that I've now exposed here on air. My God. Sean just hates everything that's not Kentucky. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> what did he say? He was, he, he was, so he showed up on Joel and Kate, by the way, for like a solid 40 minutes and just ate up our time talking about the UK experience. He was still there, by the way, at like two in the morning, just hanging out on the show, just talking, talking shit. <laughs> and we talked about like he was watching TV in the UK and just had a lot to say about that. So, oh, I want to watch this show. He, he had been naked and whatever. Uh, this sounds like, horrible trash reality television that is right up my alley i 100 percent want to watch that like you know I, I i'm excited it's wednesday you know what that means it means temptation island and the big d tonight on usa network i don't know if anything else is happening on wednesday nights on television but i know temptation island and the big d are on usa network so i'm excited for that the d stands for 
divorce. I tried to bring it back to Roman Reigns and I forgot how to do it. So. <laughs> the D stands for divorced in this case, Joe Farrell. What so what else can we do with this Roman trial thing? I mean, you, you can bring out Sami Zayn, sure, maybe KO. You could set up some sort of tag match uh on the show, or not, or you could just have yeah. a, a straight up again. I, I said this before, I'll say it again. I like it when bloodline stories are just between the four of them, five if you count Paul Heyman. Uh, and now I think, you know, as I said on Monday, it's time to start telling the story of uh, Solo Sokoa and where he lies. Because you mentioned it on SmackDown. They did the whole, like, the tribal chief. And then Roman starts laughing and Solo looks over and Roman stops laughing. So who knows? Maybe it's time to start uh, explaining the the backstory, the origins and the badassery of uh, Solo Sokoa. Who knows? There's a lot of uh, meat on the bone again. This story, it's not it's not close to over, by the way. I don't think they're they're gonna do a match at at SummerSlam, whether it's a triple threat or whether it's just Roman and Jay. They're gonna do that. If it is Roman and Jay, they'll get to Roman and Jimmy at some point. And then you'll get into solo. I'm very, I'm very interested as we head into Survivor Series because we had war games last year at Survivor Series. And it made sense. They they built an actual story. The bloodline had five guys at the time, so it made a lot of sense of how they built that story. Do they run back a, a War Games gimmick this year with Bloodline being this fractured? Do we have people who like Roman can count on to, to possibly do this? Or do they not do War Games at all? Because Triple H kind of said, like, we don't know if it's going to be an annual thing. It sort of just has to make sense. And last year, it obviously made sense. But we also know how WWE operates when it comes to their their annual kind of matches and traditions at these events and we know how triple h operates when it comes to war games you could do war games again but make it more judgment day focused so seth puts together judgment day gonna be around by the time we get to november that's clearly another point that's very true we saw in raw that again there's a little bit of mixed miscommunication damian priest was debating a cash in and then out comes finn balor beats up on seth rollins they Everyone fights, and then they do the Roadrunner escape for uh, for Seth Rollins. But I get it. That's fine. Um, you're right. Will they still be a team heading into the uh, the Survivor Series pay-per-view? That's, that's quite a few months away. If they are, I wouldn't hate seeing some sort of Judgment Day plus two from NXT versus Seth, a team, and then a plus two from NXT on the other side. Because... Rumors have been going around that NXT could be part of uh, the Survivor Series this year. And I personally, I wouldn't hate seeing that. I'd love to see some of the talent there uh, continue to shine. could be Seth and the Creeds, you know, making their big debut because now they're supposedly gone from NXT after uh, this week's airing of the show. And the dyad continues to run amok until October. What do you mean supposedly? They lost a loser leaves NXT match. That means they're done. But there was uh, there was some interference, so you could try and play something out of it. You could try to do a, another WWE match. WWE doesn't go back on stipulations. No, absolutely right. not. My mistake. But they could run it back into the Great American Mash and do something about that. No, Either not going to happen. We're gonna. You know who would be part of the Judgment Day, right? Is somebody who Finn Balor had conversations with like three months ago, and it went absolutely nowhere. And that's yeah, but I've been told not to Google his name, so I don't really know who you're. Yeah, talking about. well, I don't know if you know they remember he, he's part of the run sheet here. Uh, that's a different show not, that I used to do, by the way. Yeah, they've not brought this man up at all, he's not been part of the shows at all. He's just he had those conversations. Maybe, maybe Finn told him, like, hey, 
you need to go on excursion, kid. Go elsewhere and, and then come back and maybe you'll be ready for, for Judgment Day. Go learn a new hold. Go join the N1. Do the Noah. Do the yeah. Noah. Uh, yeah, you know what? I do think, though, that, that they're, they planted the seed so that when they pull the trigger, it's going to be a bit of a surprise. And that's okay with me. Uh, that's, again, I don't know if you take Finn out of the group and replace him with JD. Which to me is funny because you're basically just replacing the. You're just. It's, it's Why the would same you, photo. It's the, it's the Spider Man's just staring at each other. It's not the same photo because one is. About very, 20 years younger, you're right. Yeah. No. Don't like that idea. Don't need that put out in the universe at all. Well, then what, why would you get rid of Damien Priest, who is holding the Money in the Bank briefcase, which is typically a heels briefcase? And it is right now because Seth Rollins is. A baby face. I don't think you get rid of Damien Priest. I, I think Priest just becomes. I, I guess I was looking at it from a wrong perspective of if you're going to re- replace Finn Balor. Balor to me is like kind of the de facto leader, even though they say they have no leader type of thing. Uh, and then I, I look at the other person and he becomes he would be the leader in Balor. But Priest would have to step and basically become the leader and. JD is the the young boy in in this case. Um, you know we're we're both wrong about who the leader of this group is. Yeah, it's even Rhea. Though, yeah, Rhea Ripley. Yeah, it's hundred percent Rhea. What are we even talking about? Yeah. So I yeah that's again if there is no leader other than Rhea who is the leader of Judgment Day, no questions asked. You could easily bring in JD, and you can either do a this reinvigorates and makes them stronger, or you can jump one out. And if and again, this has been it's funny because like Roman Reigns in the bloodline, we talked about someone being jumped out forever, right? When it was Sammy. Now we're almost doing it again by bringing in an outsider. But who is the outsider? It's going to be basically a League of Nations at this point. And <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, like the nationalities of the wrestlers is what I'm going for. <laughs> You got the Australian, you got the Puerto Rican, you've got the Irish guy, you've got another Irish guy who looks like the other Irish guy like 20 years ago. You got the guy from San Diego via Mexico. Like, come on, is there something? It's not League of Nations. That no, They were together for no rhyme or reason. There's at least Judgment Days together for a reason and actually have had some success. League of Nations was just, hey, here's some dudes for John Cena to beat up. <laughs> How do you think League of Nations would fare today with the like? Let, let's just plop them into today, and then take out the one who really sucked. Forget that guy. Let's replace them with another Mexican instead. <laughs> I don't know. Santos Escobar is now in the League of Nations. Okay, so it's it's Wade Barrett, Sheamus, Miro, as he is. He will now be Miro and Santos Escobar. Like it's a good group. It's a talented group, but it was a talented group back then. And they were booked how they were booked. Anybody can rebook them is what I'm saying. You got to rebook them in today's WWE because Vince, it, Vince is there, but he's, he's not in the weeds. So if he's not, you know, fully immersed in the product and even though he is, but let's just say he's triple H for a change. How do you book them? I booked them as a, a strong heel faction, sort of like, Judgment Day, probably stronger than, than Judgment Day because Judgment Day has been going on for a while and they've had riffs and everything at, at this point of their their stage. Um, oh, it's, a, it's a strong group. Like you look at that group on paper, it's really good. But you look at the group on paper years ago, it was really good and they were just booked 
how they were booked. I keep them strong, but I try to keep everybody strong. Like that's sort of the point uh, of this. Like even in losses, you still look good. Even in, in victories, like you're you're elevated. Like that that's the point of this. You don't take too many losses to where you just become an afterthought and a joke. So yeah, I'd book them strong. Joel, is that is that that the hot take? Hey, you're supposed to bury them. God, what's wrong with you? <laughs> It's a good group. I mean, Sheamus is still doing well today, and Barrett's is uh he's doing well on commentary. Uh Miro's got success, and then there's the the other guy. Um, but like it's a talent, <laughs> it's a talented group of people. They should have been booked better back then. I would book them better nowadays. I think they'd fare fairly well nowadays if they were given the right momentum and, and given put in the right position. But you look at like the brawling brutes. I think they're doing like well, but then Seamus is like, there could be more that could be done here. So you can always book these groups and stuff stronger. It's just a matter of where you're actually going to, to slot them in me personally, my personal taste, you give me a prime Seamus, a prime Rusev, a prime uh, Wade Barrett. And we'll say Santos Escobar, a prime Santos Escobar. Yeah. I'm booking that team really strong. Even if you give them, these guys to be today, I'm booking that team really strong. Barrett is like a mouthpiece for everybody. Or you give me another, and you give me Drew McIntyre. Like I'm booking that team really, really strong. But that's just my personal taste. I can see where it's like, ah, you know what? That this team isn't. We're not going to book them as strong. That team would feud with the Bloodline in a heartbeat for me. By the way, I mean not this version of the Bloodline. It's all fractured and stuff. But like that would have been my team going into to uh, war games right there. Is is those four throw in Kevin and then let's go. Still League of Nations. He's Canadian. And then you know let's go. That's that's what I'm booking for like a war games team. All right, that's fine with me. Um, you mentioned a lot of Prime, and now I just want Prime Rip. I just say Prime Energy, Logan Paul. No, I don't. Low gang. No, I don't want that garbage. I want, I want some food. I'm hungry. Did you? Uh, what? <laughs> did you? Did you see his his cover for the 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 botched Spanish fly and what he said about oh, this? Yes, I did. I give him. I give him a couple of marks for that. He tried the to best. Kayfabe. Yeah, he tried to kayfabe, and it rules because he's like. You know, didn't we didn't have our footing? I, I didn't know what I was doing. Ricochet's like, "Hey, we're just gonna do this. We're gonna go over." And it's like that's probably the case, honestly. Is Logan was probably like, "Oh boy, like what's going on here?" And then Ricochet's like, "Just trust me." And Logan's like, "All right, sure." And then it went how it went. Fortunately, everybody was okay. The best part was Logan just being like, "It was unprofessional." So we fought backstage, and I was not happy with how he did that move. And so I decided to attack him backstage. I can't believe cameras caught all of this and they aired that footage that was never supposed to get out as we got into a backstage brawl. Like now we're going to, that ruled. Bless them for like trying to keep kayfabe. They are going to run that segment from impulsive on the program on Monday and it'll be fine. But uh, isn't he, he he was challenged to show up on Monday. Wasn't he by Rick? Okay, so yeah, they'll probably run that that segment from Impulsive. Uh, sure, whatever. Uh, let's, He'll probably let's... say the same thing. He'll probably say yeah. the same thing on Impulsive. Is like they're going to try to make a, a negative, and look that that move. It was, I guess, supposed to go viral, and if they pulled it off, that would have been a pretty sweet looking move and everything. Um, but they're going to. It was it was kind of a negative because of how it turned out. People were way more concerned about the the safety of everybody, and ooh. 
that didn't look great more than, oh, look how spectacular that was. That was awesome type of thing. So it was a negative. They tried to turn it into a little bit of a positive, like he's a professional. I'm just going to attack him. I imagine Logan will say sort of the same thing is they're going to basically make wrestling sound fake of why'd you do this move to me as as I was not prepared for you to do this move to me. Before we jump to our AEW Dynamite preview, because there isn't really a ton going on on Dynamite tonight that's been announced, but uh, let's let's talk real quick about uh, Rhea Ripley and Natalia. That ended up being a, a show stealer for Monday Night Raw. That match was really good. Natty's gear turned it into a hardcore match because there were sequins all over the ring. Take a slam, and you get one of those things embedded into the into your body. But no, they the, they went hard. They clearly had a point to prove. Rhea hasn't had. A, a very long uh, competitive match like this in a little while. And, uh, and and again, I say a million times, Natty absolutely showed out. Let's talk about it real quick. If you know who loves Natalia. I do. Sean Ross Sapp does. Yeah. I was hoping to get on here in time for Noreen because she was great. Yeah, that was, that was Monday's show, Sean. Monday. Good job. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I missed yeah. it. Yeah. I missed it by a couple days. Yeah. She buried so, you. She she buried you. Did she? Way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean put over put over days. put over your uh Carrie B, but completely buried you. Oh, well, I mean, she was great. That's why I wanted to put her over. But I, I just barely missed by two days yeah. getting here <laughs> in time. But um I'm here. I'm back on the show. I opened Thanks. and closed in the weeds. I mean, we complete got running, game, running story thread here. Look at this show. Complete game shutout. We're talking about Shohei Otani getting this this money. Listen, I'm doing this on multiple continents. That guy's never even traveled overseas before. Why? Why am I not getting paid like this? Sure that's not true. It's it's absolutely true. Did you sure see Do y'all want to talk at the same time some more so I can't hear you? Yes. No, I don't, no, I'm not going to say anything just to see how awkward we can make this show. We've already had a few of those. Uh, did you see our interview with Snitsky? <laughs> um, I didn't. <laughs> You're going to want to. There were some moments. <laughs> I'm shocked that there were some moments there. What, like, what happened? What, what was good? He pulled out the cheat sheet at one point and just <laughs> read it in front of us on the air. <laughs> <laughs> What cheat from MLW? Yeah. yeah. The By the way, shout out, shout out to MLW for accommodating uh, us very, very well this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They've been great to us this week. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and we got Delmi Exo on, uh, on Friday. He's going to be joining us. So we're looking forward to that. Okay. Nice. Nice. Um, Snitsky had a gr- grenade, a dummy grenade that he showed off. Uh, yes, a real grenade. <laughs> My God. He was oh, in his yeah. survival store. So y'all were about to put over uh, Natalia and Rhea Ripley, yeah? <laughs> well, yeah, but now we want to talk about fake grenades. Cause, well, I, posted, <laughs> I posted a Fightful Select story about this. I actually talked to higher-ups in WDB that were very happy about it. Uh, I saw some people being like, they must have heat. No, they like each other. They just wanted to beat the living shit out of one another, and they did it. I was told they were both pretty fired up la- or Monday night. Uh, I was on my way back and it was probably about 10 ish or something. I had already sat down to watch raw, but somebody in WWE messaged me halfway through the match. And they said, if you haven't started raw, make this the first thing that you watch. 
And I was like, all right, cool. And I feel like no respect is put on Natty's name in general. And she is not put in situations to where she can really highlight what it is that she's able to do. I mean, you saw the Hart family come out, not in the technical aspect of, of her work, in the strikes. I saw some Brett in her strikes that she was throwing. I was like, hell yeah, this is that stuff I like. Because, you know, everybody talks about, you know, they post the meme that Jeremy makes fun of. Brett Hart was a problem, that type of thing. <laughs> and they'll, they'll show, like, a lot of his technical work, but his strikes were amazing. He had great punches. And, uh, man, I, I loved seeing Natty lay that in there. And it looked like Rhea Ripley. It was, it was almost like the Mick Foley smiling through the pain thing. She was like, finally, somebody's giving it back to me. I loved that. I thought that was incredible. It was, one, it was one of my favorite things I had seen on wrestling TV in a week. And that's saying something because I saw a lot of great stuff last week. Yeah. Also, uh, shout out to Chelsea Green, Casey Catanzaro, and Caden Carter for that absolutely insane spot. One of the best spots I've seen on Raw ever. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, there was some when, really strong stuff with the women's division. Go ahead, Jeremy. Are you getting us Chelsea Green on this show as Karen? Why should I get it for you guys? Why shouldn't I just get it for myself at this point? Because we were the ones. Why are you going to steal this idea that we steal have pitched? The, steal the idea. I broke the news of the character and immediately said I would love to interview her as this character. Steal the I idea. I don't believe that. I don't Steal the idea. That. That's you hastily aggregating something five months <laughs> later. Aggregating my ideas. I don't believe that. I, I don't think you, you said that at all. I think Listen, Jeremy, I know you take it, a lot of time off, so you miss some things, especially <laughs> when it comes to stories in our chat. You're always yeah, posting definitely. things that have always been already been covered. But <laughs> this is something that happened. All right. Mm-hmm. Where's my Nikki like Garcia that. cornhole story that I sent you? <laughs> Listen, I don't know about that, but I, I know that there's still a pair by Cleveland. Everything is a factory, and it's run by, like, you know, they use cisterns up there and well water and all that stuff. Everything is, like, they're factories, but they're run by, like, the original machines. That's how it is. There's somebody that's got a factory just full of people that are biking to get the power going in, in Cleveland right now. That, so it that's, takes a little longer. that's the U-Haul factory. I, we saw that one. Yeah. 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 You know what's funny? I the one time, well two times I went to Cleveland. I guess technically for your wedding is Cleveland sort of. But yeah. I watched the hastily tourism video whatever to hype myself up and then I went and ate and next door that guy was performing. Mike <laughs> Polk was performing and he was there like every Wednesday. It was great. I've never seen this video, so I don't have what frame. Yeah. Oh my yes. gosh. You're gonna watch it on the air. Oh no, we're gonna get caught <laughs> truck. No, 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 no. I just want him to react. It's a 48 second video. Okay. Can you can you send it to me and I'll watch yep, it? Private chat. There we go. All right. All right. Okay, I was about to tell me like, tell me when you're we're hitting play. All right. The hastily play. made Cleveland tour. Oh, actually, wait, that's the second attempt. Hold on. Uh, Let okay. me send you the first one. It plays automatically. So like, it, yeah, well, you know. just go to the first one. Here we go. Okay. And let me tell you, or, or let's I'll go. I'll pause. I'll pause and then hit play. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? All yeah. Right. Play. Riveting content, by the way, for everyone. Oh, there we go. Now it's in the chat. So if you want to copy and paste it, but don't leave this, <laughs> open a new tab wherever you're going. 
And then, uh, yeah, you can just watch Sean sing and dance to it. See, Jeremy, this is what I was Shut talking up, about. Shut up, Joel. I've got dead air here. Someone's got someone's to talk over this. He can't air. hear. That's the point. That's why I'm talking over it, so that anyone who's listening... This is great. We still doing this? Okay, so I've I went to Cleveland before I actually moved here. It was the worst yeah. trip of my life. The absolute worst trip of my life. This is 2016. And yes. I said I would never return to this state. Ohio is the absolute worst. It's it's awful. I would never return to this state. And then someone slides in your DMs defending Bret Hart from Michael Thompson. And next thing you know, you're moving back to Ohio and getting married. It's, it's, it's <laughs> well, now I got to have you watch the second one. All right. So I got to click that link now. What'd you think of the first one? I mean, it, it sounds about right. I've only been, <laughs> I've really only been to Cleveland a handful of times. Like well, we're technically 45 minutes away well, from Cleveland. Let me, let me tell you after this video, you won't need to go again. <laughs> I'm watching the second one. All right, here we go. Times in Cleveland again, Cleveland. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Three times a year, DUIs. Just putting that up there for <laughs> for our readers. <clears throat> 48 seconds is a long time when you're doing this. Nah, not really. <laughs> Our economy is based Detroit. on Detroit. Is honestly a fair. We're not comment. Detroit. Yes. You know what I love? To- so we were in the media room for Money in the Bank, and <laughs> Triple H said, "Hey, you know, I expect all of you to uh, come over for SummerSlam in Detroit." <laughs> well. um, I looked around at the people from the UK and I said, well, here's the great thing for the same price that you would spend renting a hotel for four nights in Detroit. You can just buy a house there. (laughs) Flip it. Go ahead. Yeah. So just buy yourself some property in Detroit. Sean, were you wearing your, I was there money in the bank t-shirt in the press room. (laughs) I wasn't. Who was? A lot of people. We talked oh, about really? Joel is so mad about this. I'm not Joel mad is They're... burying all the reporters for wearing WWE oh. merchandise oh. at yeah. the WWE press conference. There are a lot of those people. They do that. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. Is he getting in the hat? Don't get the hat. Don't do the hat. I have to go soon. I have <laughs> That's right. we matters have... to take care of, and I'm very scared of what I'm going to walk out into. So MJF and Adam Cole in action tonight. Kenny Omega, Wheeler Yuta, uh, Britt Baker and Ruby Soho in round one of the, or yeah, they're round one of the, the Owen. Yeah. And then uh, Jericho's going to speak, and I'm sure he's going to heal on the Edmonton crowd. Moxley's going to speak, and I'm sure he's going to heal on the Edmonton crowd. So, and Moxley's not there, okay? Moxley's doing a pre-tape. Sure, fine. Whatever. We'll hear from John Moxley. Yeah. <laughs> he's advertised. I'm, just, I'm informing people that John Moxley, unless he caught, like, I mean, maybe Tony Khan has a G1 jet that he can get him to wherever they're at tonight. They're in Edmonton. I mean, 
okay, maybe it can get him there very fast, but he literally just did back-to-back death matches in Japan. They I don't actually, think he's going to be back in time for Edmonton. They might actually bring him right back. I don't know what the what the flight okay, time is. Edmonton to Tokyo. You got to go the other way around. Hey, I got one of those. It's the same difference, Joel. Is it though? Yes, you're, you're traveling. It's a 12-hour flight. Okay, ain't so happening. If he leaves now, he uh, will not make it in time. For- it's actually you know where he should go. 14. It's he should go to, to Las Vegas for SummerSlam 2021. I did that. Why can't I still I have multiple mint condition hats. Um, got my barbecue towel <laughs> here. That is wear this over. So cheap as hell. Uh, got got this. No backstage access. It says though. Of course. Wow. And a couple of clinch sacks. I've just had these for a long sacks. time. And what I'm gonna do is just put them in storage until it's cool, and I can sell them to a vintage shop in Lexington, 10, 15 years from now, for uh, money. Thirty bucks. That's a good use of that. That's a good. Can use I have one of those money. hats. No, absolutely not. You want to he buy just one? said what he was going to no. do with it, Joel, and his answer them. was not give it to you. Yeah, if fewer uh, there are in existence, then guess how much there. money? Guess how much money more than one of them will get me? Less a higher price than one of them would get me, Joel. Not necessarily. It's kind of like having autographs from, from people. If there, if that person doesn't do many autographs, then well, it's I'll tell you one thing fun. that I don't do. I don't go to the talent hotel and creep around for autographs, dragging. Bo- empty bottles of prime around while by the way getting kicked out and then then security throws out the bottles of prime because they think that they're trash too um hypothetically what kind of prime flavors would they i don't eat? know i i like prime it's all right it's it's good tasting drink but um yeah i wouldn't do that seems like a bad mm. idea to do that does seem like a bad idea to do that can't believe anybody would do that yeah sounds awful yeah um Keith Lee's got a good story for y'all off the air, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, then let's just wrap this up. Uh, Darby Allen and Key and, uh, and and Orange Cassidy versus Lee and Strickland. So that's happening too. Blind eliminated. Yeah, when are they going to announce the full brackets? Whenever Adam Cole and MJF find out who their opponents are tonight as well. Okay. Right. Uh, well, I'm begging for a Matt and Jeff team. Matt Hardy and Jeff Jarrett. Yes, I'm fine with that. Jeff Cobb suddenly comes back. Uh, Jeremy, just plug overbooked. Oh, and we're gone. <laughs> no, I he booted himself. Or, okay. Uh, okay. Five overbooked. Watch all this stuff we have on the channel. Go watch my Oreo eating contest. I won. <laughs> we drop content every day. It's great. Wonderful. All the interviews that we did today, those are going to be around as well. Uh, don't follow Jeremy. Follow <laughs> Fight Talk underscore. Yes, Sean Ross app. I'll have uh, a report on a big name that wasn't at Raw. Wasn't Me. at Raw Monday. Me. Was not. I was not at Raw. Yes. I also wasn't at Raw. Was it me? Am I the report? No. Oh, okay. Sting. Sting was not at Raw. <laughs> it wasn't Sting. He's nodding. No. Until uh, then, ladies and gentlemen, friends, we're on the binary. I'm Matt Joel Pearl, J-O-E-L-B-E-A-R-L. We'll see you on Friday. Tell me XO from MLW will join us to wrap up MLW week. And again, thanks to them for being so accommodating. So we'll see you in the next one. Cheers.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.